0: Every day we hoistle in Pilots and Petards Podcast.
1: Welcome back, hoisters, to the Pilots and Petards Podcast. The podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts, but potentially everything ado with the first episode of a filmic series.
0: Quick disclaimer, listeners Petard is a word, it is a real word, and petards are bombs. You know, look it up. This is Drew. I'm the pragmatic Cyclops of this podcast.
1: And this is Jimbo, your anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist pilot critic and Kenny of the
2: podcast. And the Magical Mismo, Master of Pilots, Spoilers, and Nostalgia Boners.
0: All right. And uh, this week, you can thank Mrs. Shrekbreath for the ad-free listening and for sponsoring today's shows. Also, congratulations, Principal Shrek Breath. You know, we appreciate you and we're glad that you're doing well. Uh, contact us to sponsor a show and follow our blog to participate in the pre-recording discussions.
1: If you, if you have any questions about pilots and petards, go to our website and you can learn all about us.
0: So join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the psychological class drama slash period piece, Alias Grace, will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question.
1: And so listeners, we have, we have a two-part podcast here. The first part, we're going to talk solely about the pilot for Alias Grace, and then the second part of the show, we're kind of going to get step outside the pilot. You'll see. Stay stick around, Jimbo. You do have a background with the show. I don't, but I would like to add a couple things just about the background of the show in general. This is a piece of historical fiction. The actual events that are occurring happened, or at least supposedly happened, or it's based off real events.
0: Ooh, I didn't know that. Uh, my background is I had seen it referenced here and there on some lists of things to watch on Netflix. Um, but there's a lot of stuff on Netflix these days. I do know that Margaret Atwood, who wrote The Handmaid's Tale, uh, wrote the book that this show is based on.
2: I never heard of this show, guys. When you suggested it and I heard Margaret Atwood, I was like, interesting, because I do love Handmaid's Tale, which has surpassed the popularity of this show, but.
1: And she was inspired by a famous Canadian writer, poet, Susanna Moody was a Canadian author in the 1800s. And she wrote life in the clearing versus the bush. And I'll put that in the, in the petardar one, one of the chapters of this book, it has a a couple poems. And then she talks about these historical events that were taking place during her lifetime. So she was alive. She, She actually met Grace and she writes this narrative from the guy that, that was hung I think there's definitely, as the, as the series may develop, they're unclear about what actually happened.
2: And this is making me more interested in the unfolding than it is. the I, actual pilot did. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll
1: get to talking about that pilot. So listeners, you know, we're going to try not to just tell you what all happened. If you're really interested in the historical events, check the Patardar as I just mentioned. And Drew's going to hit us with a two-sentence summary.
0: So, in 19th century Canada, a young woman, Grace, has been living in prison the majority of her life for her part in a mysterious murder. An American psychologist has been called in to examine her and lend his expert opinion as to whether she should be released. And we will learn her story as he does. So, tune in to see if you should give a steaming pile of crap.
1: And now, listeners, we're going to move in to the actual pilot. And we're going to discuss our highs and our lows and anything in between. And I would like to just start off. What what did you guys think? This felt a lot like a novel to me. Like watching this series, we're very much inside Grace's head. So, what were your responses to that? Did you guys consider that high or low or, or somewhere in between?
2: I'll respond to that, Jimbo, because I actually put as a high point all the silent dialogue um, happening in her head and all of her reflection that she would have without saying it to either the psychologist or the people around her and. I think you said it right when it does feel like a novel because I think there is there's so many words being said constantly. There's not that many moments of silence and ref and, and like facial emotion. It's very much poetic and relies heavily on the words for the, the way the story's told.
1: And there and there's long conversations of just two people sitting inside a room. Right. And I'm not saying that's a low point. I, I actually think it's mostly well done.
2: I, I put that as a high point is the dialogue. I think it was really well done and, and beautifully. A lot of the points were beautifully said.
1: What do you think, Drew? I agree. I agree with a
0: lot of those ideas. And I think also um, the reason that those one-on-one conversations work is because of um, the set pieces. Um, that this is beautifully shot. That it's on location. There was actually one moment in the, the beginning when they cut to like a village and they do like a tracking shot where they kind of pull away. And I'm like, this looks a little bit corny. That was the only time it kind of looked corny. Like that was kind of a weird shot for the way they were staging it. But after that, I kind of got used to it and everything looked really thought out and detail oriented.
1: It uh, reminded me a couple of weeks ago when we did Lost, you had mentioned attention to detail with everyone's outfits. And and so I, I definitely picked up on that for this episode.
0: Yeah, and I would say even more so than the clothing was just like the props, you know, like that needle that is so integral to like the story and the theme and the sewing parts as well were period perfect and shot beautifully and um, really gave it an air of credibility too that it did kind of feel a little bit more. Than a TV show, more like a novel, or more like a mini series than necessarily one season or two season type thing. What about you, Mo?
2: When you were talking about the sewing scenes, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to the all the quilts and all that, all the language that she was using around the quilts and why women have to know how to make these three quilts before being coming married. I thought that was again just very novel esque, very symbolic in a way that only words could be symbolic more than just showing the blankets but again because it is it was a pilot was a tv show they also showed them i love i wanted to learn how to i wish i learned how to make a quilt
1: it's never too late mo
2: (laughs) i don't think i could
1: learn (laughs) but uh back to the language yeah this and this kind of goes back to me i felt like i was watching a novel because there is a ton of figurative language and the language is really important where i would say All of our other podcasts, the language is being used to either tell a joke or to just have good dialogue, but never used in like such a literary manner in the fact that you have really strong symbols and just another layer of depth to especially Grace's words.
2: Even the closing line, right? When she's like, she describes a peach and how within a peach there's a stone and then it's like cut scene, end scene. And it was just so poetic. It's like she's reciting from her diary or something.
0: And even the opening scene, um, at the very beginning of the show, I I was actually so into the end of the show that it did that thing where it jumped to the next episode. Um, the text at the beginning of each episode changes, so it, it's a different literary either allusion or reference for each episode. It's very cool. I
1: think I I think while we're kind of talking about the language and the dialogue, I have to go into my my really low point that stuck out was Doctor Jordan. And I think his dialogue was rather crappy.
2: That's his, the American dude, right?
1: Yeah, like his questions and every like everything he's saying just seems uh. And Grace's language is really cool and really interesting. I wonder almost if that's maybe intentionally done to give the female character more of like a boost above the male character. But in that case, I might have to flop that and, and maybe that's a high point then.
0: Well, I think that he's kind of like the classic like quote unquote straight man and that he... Is the foil that plays off her instability or her story. You know, like he's the narrative device that allows her to both show the audience like how she actually feels, but also show him like a shield. So when he asks her, like, how's that make you feel? What's that remind you of? Like, yeah, it's kind of boring, but it like, you know, he is the receptacle of like her story. You know, so he's the engine, um or he's the plot device you know, that like moves the story forward. So he's necessary, but it's about her. What do you think about that?
2: Like the writers purposely make him invisible so he doesn't interrupt the important parts of her story. He's kind of just setting things into motion without making too ruffling too many feathers.
1: To me, he just seems like a broke-ass... Freud or something you know he's like (laughs) like
2: a low budget Freud (laughs)
1: yeah he's like asking such childish questions and such cliche questions
2: I love when she called him out on the apple
0: that was funny there were not a uh, lot of like laughs at all in this show
2: (laughs) that was one one laugh
0: oh I liked it when she was like I'm not a dog we
1: we might come back to this in in the dangling threads but I think we have another Excellent example of a psychopath here in this episode with Grace.
2: Ooh. We don't know what happened yet.
0: We we don't know what happened. I will say this, Jimbo, quickly, and you can edit this out. Um, the second episode of Killing Eve referenced the psychopathy um, index.
1: Really? Oh, cool.
0: So, sorry. Keep going. Of
2: Killing Eve? This is another show. We can yes. leave that in.
1: Oh, Killing Eve is worth your time.
2: Yeah? It is. is it was it cool.
0: I'm on a third episode. Oh. Um, I have a high point I think we can kind of jump into, and intentionally or not because i know this is a margaret atwood piece but if you've ever had trouble like explaining the idea of intersectionality or intersectional identity to other people this show was kind of like a really good like practical lesson in intersectionalism
1: for our listeners can you explain what intersectionalism is please
0: the idea of intersectional identity was is like a 1970s slash 1980s um, kind of feminist identity um, theory. A woman who very famously did a lot of research on it was Camila Crenshaw, who worked on the Anita...
2: Kimberly. Kimberly Crenshaw.
0: Sorry, Kimberly Crenshaw. And basically what she and what the theorists talked about was that different aspects of identity um, combined affect people in different ways. So basically what this one study from the 1980s was saying was that things were getting better for women in the workplace and things were getting better for black people in the workplace. But when Crenshaw really crunched those numbers, what she found was that black men were getting ahead and that white women were um, getting ahead in the corporate sense. So like more black men were getting into the workforce and more white women were getting advanced in the labor force. And the people who were left behind were black women. And so even though the statistics said things are better for women, things are better for black people, they weren't accounting for black women who were getting the least amount social progress and so what intersectionalism basically states is that not just one thing defines your identity or your experience that multiple things do and so i saw that idea of intersectionalism in grace's story because there were a lot of people who were irish but she was irish and poor and there were there were different women in the show but she was a woman who was irish and poor and disadvantaged and then there was also like people who were had mental issues but like she kind of did so if you'd ever had trouble explaining how different facets of identity can affect your way in the world not just your race solely or your gender solely grace was a really good example of a lot of different things affecting your way in life because like being poor is shitty at any time but like being poor and sick in the past like this show is a fucking bummer and i think it did a really good job illustrating how Grace's identity affects her way of life versus, like, her dad's life is shitty, but he, like, beats women in public and doesn't appear to need to get a job. So even though he's poor and Irish, he's a poor Irish dude.
1: No, her father's English.
0: Oh, well, I mean, even if he's poor and uneducated like Grace's, her life is different because she's a woman, and I guess, yeah, she's Irish too.
1: And she's an Irish Protestant, which I guess exists.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you think? I mean, I guess as an exhibition of intersectionality.
2: Those are nuances within that are relevant to that time period where being English or Irish or Protestant versus Catholic did make, make, make a world of difference in how the world treated you and, and the, the doors that would be open to you.
1: Being Irish at this time period as well, like the Irish were very much discriminated against when they, when they migrated to the, the Americas, this is Canada, but it's, it's a similar in, in America as well. I'll do one more high
0: point. And um, this show motivated me to learn about Canadian history, which I didn't think was that interesting. But when they go over that rebellion that like, just happened and they talk about how crazy it was, I was like, I want to learn about Canadian history. What did you guys think?
1: I was curious about looking up the uh, rebellion because I have no idea what that's about.
2: Mostly it's interesting because I'm like, my head's thinking what sets them apart from the way, the trajectory that the United States had compared to Canada.
1: They buy in to the empire,
0: <laughs> I guess, but it sounded like they had like a full on like Trotsky esque like revolution that did not go well.
1: Yeah, I mean, not everyone bought in. Apparently,
0: How about a low point, Mo.
2: I kind of felt bored by a lot of the characters, and that's hard because the dialogue isn't even what made me bored. It was just kind of maybe it was like the cu- the the lighting and the. The setting of everything and the way maybe scenes went a little longer than normal and didn't cut to something different, but it might just be my millennial mind being easily bored, also.
0: That show was kind of boring and it it had a really slow start. It had a good, nice, satisfactory, interesting finish. But I think some of the issues with Dr. Jordan or whatever the guy's name is is that it was boring getting him where he needed to be, and things got more interesting once he started to interact with Grace. But no, I'm with you, and I support your millennial brain. This show was kind of boring at the beginning.
1: I was intrigued enough with that opening where I wasn't bored, and because I felt like I was reading a book, I really enjoyed getting inside Grace's head. And if I guess if you're not really with her, then it can come off boring. It is very visually boring. There's really no flashy colors at all. I mean, the, you know, the bedspreads or the quilts were kind of interesting and the boat scene was definitely interesting enough just to be like, damn, that was terrible. Like coming to the States as a, as a poor person or Canada, coming to the new world as a poor person was not good. The Past is depressing.
2: There's always a step below, which is coming to the new world as a slave.
1: I'm going to mention this, and like, and like, we don't need to talk about it much, but I have to consider the father to be a high point. He is a super asshole, and I know he's making everyone feel uncomfortable. He's supposed to, and I think that says a lot about the time piece as well. The fact that being a man, and your wife is property, and your kids are property, and you can kind of do whatever you want to them.
2: I know. Literally, like, you're going to go work for me and send me back all your money? That would never happen.
0: The, nine, the nine-year-olds the 9 take care of the kids.
1: That's life, man.
2: I mean, if that were to happen nowadays, it'd be out of necessity, right? Like, I'm sure a lot of low-income families do have their kids work and have to provide some of that income to the home. But that's out of necessity, not out of like, I'm a man and you do the, whatever the fuck I say.
1: I feel like we probably witnessed that during our Peace Corps experience.
2: Yeah.
0: I would agree with that.
1: I can definitely think of a few incidences that... I can kinda of relate.
0: At the end of my service, I gave tuition for the last two years of my sister's junior college to a volunteer who's working at that IFP because I didn't trust my family like with that money. Like I wanted it to go directly to her. So I mean that's real.
2: The patriarchy is alive and kicking.
1: On on that on that low high point.
2: <laughs> I'm curious if this show is gonna start including some another layer of intersectional identity and include people of color or or the irish supposed to be the equivalent of that in that time period you know what i mean
0: well maybe there'll be some first nation people because they're in canada
2: when
1: they were walking through the mud there was a native american that the camera focused in on but right behind the 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 family was a african couple they did not focus in on them and i and i couldn't tell if they were if they would have been servants or not but they were definitely carrying something and the one dude had like an interesting hat on almost like he could have been wearing a suit so there was a token black (laughs) presence there dude at least in the background yeah
0: cool um you guys want to jump into our crab man award Hey, hey crab man and jimbo for new listeners what is a crab man award
1: So Crab Man is going to be for a character of some type of intellectual being that gives way more than they take. Typically, very little amount of screen time, but very big contributions or performance.
0: And we've had Crab Men, Crab Women, Crab X. I wanted to have giant crab robots. Jimbo hated that idea.
1: But we did have a crab bureaucratic alien. And Mo, you're crabless?
2: I just couldn't be I couldn't think of anyone.
1: I'm with Mo. I didn't I didn't see any <laughs> Annie Crabman in my view and experience. Like
2: no one made a difference.
0: <laughs> Here's my thing, because I was with you guys until like 38 minutes into the show. Show's a fucking bummer. Not boring at times, but like it's not taxing is the wrong word too, but like it requires your attention. Um there's a point at the end of the first episode where you are fully drawn in, where like things have picked up. You're learning new and interesting things, you know, like the, the show's popping. And then all of a sudden the governess's daughter comes in and it's like, Hey, you guys want something to drink? And it's all stops. And the thing is, you are so, you're such, you're so pulled into the story of the tale. You're learning so many new things about, you know, grace that when that happens, you have the exact same reaction as the psychiatrist. You're like, fuck, like you ruined the mood. No, I don't want anything to drink. So I I was very much identifying with Dr. Jordan at that point because I was like, fuck. So no spoilers, but the governess comes in and like blows up this spot just when things are getting good. What did you guys think
1: about that?
2: No, I, I was just mumbling yeah, to Yeah, I don't myself. like that, Drew. I guess that no, works. That does not I don't work,
1: <laughs> dude. That doesn't work at all.
2: Weren't you
0: guys like into what you were learning? You were like, come on. And then what happened? And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, and you're like, That's what? not a
1: crabman. That's actually the opposite of a crab man, away, a crab man
0: dude. Dude, she did her job man she did
1: not she did she actually took away her job for us learning what we wanted to learn about the series
0: <laughs> you might watch the second episode you might not
1: you know i actually i actually just got sparked and i and i want to nominate the accomplice in the murder that that grace marks is is being penalized for i know who you're talking about the guy about.
2: who gets hung and calls her a whore mac
1: dermont he says it was
0: all her fault too that was intriguing.
2: I feel like he's going to be a bigger role. He's,
1: he's going to be involved in flashbacks. But for that pilot episode, crap crab performance, dude. He he insults the main character and then he gets hung.
2: Like his last words were, she's a whore.
1: <laughs> yeah, something along those lines, yes.
2: Which back in the day, they usually gave you a last word, right? They didn't just throw a bag over your head and hang you.
0: Uh, They were in like the Canadian wilderness, you know? Like They're in Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, it's Canadian wilderness justice.
2: Yeah. I mean, if I honestly if I had to pick, that was, I remember that scene more than I remember the impact of the governess's daughter coming in with the drinks.
1: No, but okay, but if, if you are going to watch, you're interested in why this dude gets hung and Grace doesn't.
0: Like 19th century patriarchal ideas about like women and execution probably, but well, he's getting killed because we're meant to assume that he was the murderer and she was the accomplice. And he's flipping it because he's saying no, it was her idea, which is still somewhat intriguing.
1: So that's that's my crabman nominee. I think he's worth he's he's worth my nomination.
2: I I think I'm just gonna stick with the crabless.
1: All right, Drew, it's up my to second, you. My second my second vote goes to crabless. So Mister Mac MacDermont got boxed out of this one. So <laughs> the the pilot episode part one of Alias Grace is crabless. No crab sounds our listeners. And now we're going to move into our MVP. And for any new hoisters, this is the most valuable part of the pilot. So anything on screen, off screen, we we talked about Grace's dialogue and Grace is my MVP. I think maybe even the actress, the actress and the character of Grace is very intriguing. She seems very suspicious and manipulative and she would be the only reason that I care to watch the next episode.
0: What I want to throw in with Grace, and I didn't mention it before, was you guys talked about Grace's dialogue and Grace's monologues as strengths of the show, but Grace also had some great nonverbal acting. There were some instances when the camera was on her face while she was saying something, but her lips weren't moving, so it was like recorded. It was like her internal monologue. And she did some real she had some real interesting nonverbal choices. You know, with how she decided to like look or how the director decided to cut her. So I thought not just her dialogue, but um, her facial expressions as well were very strong.
2: The scene where she describes the way she was treated at that psychiatric facility and how all the answers that she gave were burned into stone or something. But when he was writing, it was like he was drawing her. More than being a psychopath, that scene, like those words in particular, I feel like she's just traumatized by her life.
1: Well, most that that's that's on the psychopath checklist. <laughs>
0: Psychopathy
1: index.
2: What is this? Let's talk about that in the dangling threads. I want to know more about the psychop. I feel like I've heard a little bit about it, but
1: yeah, okay. So, so we we had talked about it last week. So I think it's implied that she's a a an unreliable narrator. But did you guys catch her lie that she says about the houses on the quilts? No. Say it. Okay, it's very it, it it was very subtle. She tells them that that for uh, the one quilts, all the houses have to have a red square in the middle.
2: It symbolizes the fire. Uh huh.
1: And then they showed probably five or at least five quilts with houses. Not a single one of them had the red square in the middle.
2: Well, go back and
0: check. You know, listeners, let us know. So my MVP also got touched on, but um, man, the boat sequence was really gross and really horrifying and like i don't know i guess maybe sometimes i internalize shows too much I'm like what would i do if that happened and this was just horrific i was like the boat and all the people and like man they like went to lengths to show bodily fluids in this pilot so
2: i love that dr jordan got all uncomfortable and she thought she laughed at him she's like i didn't mean to bother your sensibilities
0: why don't you open the window
2: she she was treating him the way a woman probably gets treated all the time. I've made you uncomfortable with something. You poor woman. It was tragic. That whole boat ride was tragic. And then her mom's soul being stuck down there because the windows weren't open.
0: That <laughs> weird lady. Yeah. Why would you Tough say break, that, man. lady? That Maybe that she should just... be the crab woman. Uh yeah, weird oh, mistake. She could have been a crab woman <laughs>
1: like, moved on though.
2: Why would you tell that to this poor girl who just lost her mother?
0: Called her mother a whore too. She yeah, called her that's... mom a prostitute. Like right when she met her too, I guess because she was Protestant or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, there there was a big conflict between the Protestants and uh, Catholics. They even referenced, like like they would have been fighting, but they were but they didn't have the energy.
0: <laughs> yeah, because the boat was horrific. Oh, geez. And you're right, Mo. Like, have you ever seen um like the movie Amistad? Maybe that should be in the Petardar because that's another movie with horrific boat scenes and transatlantic crossings.
2: That, that's a good that's a good MVP.
0: Drew what about you Mo you kind of touched on your mvp as well
2: yeah i mentioned this earlier but i i just appreciated being you know my undergrad degree was in biopsych so i just liked the references and the throwbacks to how people with mental health issues were treated during that time period which do we have a, a general time period when is this like
0: 1859
2: the graphic scenes of her in the actual th- psychiatric facility where she was probably it looked like they she was sexually assaulted she was raped yeah then treated i mean just like zapped probably and treated in all these horrific ways and then that juxtaposition to this boring stoic faced dr jordan just scribbling away at his notes i i liked those scenes and the way people and of course it's all men right in in those scenes
1: and then they justified it but or she had she had justified it for them because they assume because she's a terrible person that they can do whatever they want to her.
2: She's like a man-made psychopath.
1: Maybe, yeah. Dangling thread, right there. Are there
2: two kinds of psychopaths? Ones that are made by their circumstances and ones that are just born fucked up.
0: Isn't that the big question of like nature and nurture?
2: But they can both exist, right? Maybe.
1: I've double. T- I mean, I I'd read a book about about psychopathy, and I can't quite recall. It's definitely genetic, though, but having extreme trauma also I think can activate it
2: that's so sorry I didn't mean to take us down dangling thread territory but
1: this show's kind of like just oh yeah asking to be dangled there's so much (laughs) yeah there's so much history and there's so much context okay hoysters. so now the moment before the moment we're all waiting for are we going to continue to watch this show that we just found out about
0: no. Probably yeah, not. no. This show is a downer, <laughs> man. It's just depressing.
1: I'm I'm going to finish reading that that chapter that I referenced at the beginning of the, of, of the show. It's well written, and I definitely had to skip around for time purposes. I might dive back into the show at some point based off of reading that, but probably not.
0: Jim, why don't you read it and find out the secret of the show for us, and you can tell us what the deal
1: with her is. I already know the secret. Shop talk. Okay.
2: Ooh. I want to know.
0: Nice. Here we go.
2: <laughs> I love spoilers.
1: Tig, none of us are really gonna watch the show, so Jimbo. All right, hoisters, and now the moment you've all been waiting for: to hoist or not to hoist—that is the question.
0: Where you at, Jimbo? Make a statement.
1: Not hoist. <laughs> I I had watched I'd watched the pilot twice. I I enjoyed it. I think Grace and the just the literary and figurative in. Just like really nice language, I guess. From from Grace pulls this pulls this one up.
2: Yeah, even though I'm not gonna continue to watch this, I don't. I think I would not hoist as well.
0: I'm gonna not hoist as well, which is strange because, like, usually I'll not hoist on the basis of do I want to watch the next one. I don't want to watch the next one, but I I recognize the craft in this pilot, so this is a unanimous not hoist. But it's interesting because it's also unanimous no watch.
1: Yeah, that that might be rare, at least for a show we haven't seen yet.
2: It's like the typical, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, (laughs) dang. (laughs) Sure. By unanimous decision, the pilot episode of Alias Grace is not hoisted. Woo!
1: Okay, so now, for most favorite part of the show, we have our quest for the best and worst pilot ever. Woo! And we are going to try and place... The pilot episode part one of Alias Grace into our running list of pilots. You can go to our website and you can see our running list.
0: 35 other pilots.
1: 35 other pilots as of right now. We're going to place in the 36th. So we're, we are dealing with a not hoisted pilot. So, so we're def so we should be towards the top half of the list.
0: Ooh, so another hour long drama that we watched recently. As a crew was Lost. So do you guys think this is better or worse than Lost? We'll start there.
1: I say it's worse than Lost. I like it better than Lost. <laughs> I did not <laughs> like Lost. I've been lost. watching I'm Lost since we I'm recorded. I'm sure liked Lost so
2: much. I think it's a
1: tightly told
0: story. Um, mm. It does some things right. I think and,
1: nostalgia boners were just like knocking everyone out that week.
0: Dude, I feel like I've watched three episodes of Lost. Moe has probably watched five ish episodes of Lost. Probably
2: on third season. I'm like on season two. You're on yeah, season you're two? I'm on season around, two. Well,
0: there you go. Yeah. Well and Jimbo, how many episodes of Married with Children you watched?
1: Counting the pilot? Yep. One.
0: Well I would say that it lost is a stronger <laughs> pilot than you're giving it credit for.
1: If I had to watch if I, if I had to watch the second episode of Married with Children or Lost, I would wouldn't even think about it, dude. I'd go Married with Children big time.
0: Alright, well cumulatively Feels like Lost is winning with uh, as as a power performance at this point. Um, but well, I mean that's that's only one measure of it. Total numbers yeah. watched by us,
1: and it should be because it's ranked above Married with Children.
0: Lost is supposed to be uh, it's it's above Boy Meets World, below Cheers. So my biggest question then becomes: The Crown. I I think this is not as good as The Crown.
2: I think I it's not as good as The Crown. Is the master list in the folder?
1: Uh, yeah. No, Drew keeps it hostage, man. He's hiding it. I will keep anything hostage. I'm, I'm inviting everyone.
2: I don't see it. Yeah, I don't nobody see it.
1: has it but Drew. It's it's a secret list, man. You got to be part of the club. <laughs>
2: like the master list is, if we all have access to that shit.
1: Yeah, I know. Hey, whoa. Uh, we were all there when the master list was created. Here, check the website, Mo. I just updated it.
0: Yeah, this one is between the crown and lost for me. Jimbo, above or below? Cheers.
1: Um, I want to put it above Cheers. Fine with that, Mo. Thoughts?
2: I think I think it's not as good as Cheers. If I'm, I, I rewatched Cheers recently, actually.
1: I could go below Cheers. I'm not. I'm not that sold on it. All right, then. If we're cool with that,
0: I'm cool with that.
1: As long as it's above lost.
0: It is above lost. <laughs> Also married with children. I
2: mean, I think I don't think it's better than Lost.
0: Then sell me on that mo, because yeah, no, I disagree. I month. think that Lost does have its flaws, and that it was not as the good of a rewatch. Yeah, Kate's kind of annoying, and Jack
1: is super annoying.
0: Jack is very annoying.
1: Well, Grace beats Jack and Kate in my mind. Yeah, Doctor Jordan definitely. He's like equal with with Jack. Kate's better than Doctor Jordan, but.
2: I just think that there's more a there's more of a pull after loss to watch what happens on the, these people left on an island. Yeah, I didn't get that. I just think that's like a way bigger appeal than
0: Crazy McCrazy Lady.
1: I think I think her story is way more way more intriguing. The fact that it's actually a true event too, I think has some type of appeal.
0: Is that is that you or is that a no boat talking?
1: Yeah, dude. The pilot wasn't that good. The series definitely has like some strong aspects. I really think the pilot's kind of just really banking off of special effects.
0: Those are impressive special effects.
2: But that kept me interested in the whole pilot. I felt like I had to rewind it a few times with Alias Grace because I was bored.
1: I I would consider those maybe. high points because it's actually a little there's more there's more depth to it. There's actually something going on besides just action and corny ass jack jackisms. <laughs>
2: Eh. now every time i see his tattoos i'm like i'm dead i yeah. can't believe they're permanent Jackass, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah that's, that's hard I, I don't know
2: i i just was so disinterested in this that i'm just having a hard time imagining it being below lost or above lost sorry
0: well mo if i'm the deciding vote because i'm the third yeah, wheel then alias grace is better than lost yeah, in my opinion yeah, two
2: against one all right Fair, right,
0: fair enough. We
1: boxed okay. we boxed can, up. Uh, we can. Uh, yep. Boxed. <laughs> boxed her. Um We could come back yep. to it for the uh, for 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 the special year.
0: Shite. Why we can't have nice things?
2: Wait. What are these? What are, what is that part? Is that a separate list?
0: All right. So coming in, where'd you say? Seventeenth place, 18, Jimbo. Right? It's coming in at 18. eighteen. Yep. Alias Grace. That's some that's some nice mid list. Fine. Mo, I'm proud of you. That's the most engaged you've been in Quest for the Best ever. Yeah, really ever. showing her passion. Yeah. <laughs> I like
2: that. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. thanks. All right. I feel strongly about Lost. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Mo feels strongly about her, her uh, nostalgia boners, man. She's not going to let them go down easy. She's going to ride <laughs> those suckers out. You best believe it. Okay, so listeners, we're going to move into part two. This is where we're going to get a little bit outside of the pilot to the stage.
2: Stormy Daniels, although I'm so disappointed in her. Why? She, she really could have been a snake in the hole because she just got busted like rubbing some dude's crotch and.
0: Uh, no, that was a that was a sting and that was bullshit. That was the local Republican Party because that is an outdated statute that the state of Ohio, wherever that bullshit happened, had not enforced in 175 years. In any way, that is again people perpetuating like the crime of sex work of sex on the sex workers. As opposed to the person who did it. Those charges were immediately dropped. And then that was a weird statute that is a law in a lot of places. But it is never enforced.
2: Well, I'm glad I know that. I actually didn't know that. But I'm still just a little disappointed. Because she just had to wait a little bit longer to, before she had to, she could get back to work.
1: Why? She was actually working
2: yeah. the whole time. <laughs>
0: she had to pay bills. I mean, that was the thing. Like, She wanted to have the agreement annulled.
2: Oh right.
0: I assume that meant giving back some money, and so I mean Martina. she could have made money all right, all right, all right. other Sorry, other
1: ways, but but hey, this is this is why it's the Stormy Daniels dangling threads. This chick is not going away. She's dangling. Dude. It's a rocky she's ride. She a dangler. By
0: the way, you're welcome for having a miniature yeah. dangling thread about Stormy yeah. Daniels. <laughs> yeah. Stormy yeah, that's Daniels probably going to make the show.
1: So <laughs> all this because we wanted Mo right. to introduce the show, and we I, I mean you know we we're already here. <laughs>
2: All right, on to the next segment, the Stormy Daniels dangling threads.
1: Nice. Got it. (laughs) Finally got it.
2: (laughs) All for that. All
1: right, Drew, why don't you start us off?
0: So something I found that was interesting is, um, you know, Margaret Atwood has written some uh, feminist uh, fiction that has been studied in colleges, universities, and, like, she was very active throughout the 80s and 90s. I believe parts of the seventies. I should look it up cause it's the internet. But, um, recently, uh, she has come under some fire because she came out strongly against me too. Um, uh, basically there was an incident in Canada where at what is from where the head of a creative writing program, an influential one at a university was accused of sexual misconduct. The entire, um, the entire investigation was drawn out over the course of a year a lot of terrible, shitty things happened, including the um, the people who were charging him their names getting out, like their identities becoming public. And basically, um, the guy who is the head was fired. He was never found guilty of sexual assault, sexual harassment. The only thing he was found guilty of was having an affair with his teaching aide who he hired, which is still an imbalance of power. But a lot of people who'd been associated with that teaching program or that creative writing program signed a letter that said it was all bullshit and that, you know, these things were going too far. And Margaret Atwood was one of those um, authors. She did kind of walk her statement back with an addendum that people who are victims of sexual assault also need protection. But she has been a vocal critic of what she calls like a quote unquote witch hunt. So what do you guys think about that? Margaret Atwood coming for
1: me, too.
2: That's kind of annoying.
1: It's not her place to say what didn't happen,
2: especially when you're such a for like a face for feminism and for she sparked a lot of these conversations, and now that they're happening, she's trying to suffocate them. It seems a little bit what's what's her motive, or did she has she changed her mind?
0: She is not she kind of doubled down on it, you know, and like had this tweet about sorry, I'm not a perfect feminist and sorry, I'm disappointing you. I mean, I'm sure there's like pressures that mantle because it seems like a lot of her influential works were written a while ago, you know, and so I'm sure like her life has changed and I don't know, she might just not be as radical of a person anymore. And so maybe she's become kind of part of that establishment that she fought against and pushed against.
1: Or maybe she's defending her friend. I mean, what there's at least something honorable about yeah, defending your friend if personal. you think your friend is is innocent. Yeah. yeah. Statistically speaking, there's going to be some people that get falsely accused, but chances are that guy's not it.
2: And it's there's just a lot of inherent privileges given to men and things they can get away with, but especially if it sounds like he's in in power that he, he's a professor. You said, Drew. Yeah. Yeah. So being in that position. There's already assumptions made on the girls who are, who are victims in this that they were asking for it or that they were um, seducing him. I feel like that there's a lot of things that are assumed on the victim's end but not on his end because – but he had probably abused his power and stepped across a line that normally he could get away with. But now that people are more vigilant and more careful about that kind of stuff, it's like suddenly the entire foundation of – Malehood is shook and he thinks he can just get away with shit.
0: Yeah, this all occurred in 2013 and 2014, and it was a scandal in like the literary worlds of Canada. Yeah. Um, but then, um, recently Margaret Atwood came back out and wrote an op ed about like Me Too and people going too far and whatnot. There is, um, I kind of like what Jimbo was saying about like she is feels personally affected because this is a person in her circle and like, I've had a couple conversations with people where, like, a favorite author of mine, who's British, not Canadian, basically in one of his books, he just makes this distinction that, like, personal is not the same thing as important. And that's kind of the problem with people. You know, like, I especially think of it when I see, like, those, like, pissed off, like, Upper West Side white families in, like, New York public schools who don't want to let, like, other kids in, you know, based on, like, standardized test scores. Like, I'm sure those people have, like, wonderful liberal beliefs. About society in general, but like when it affects their family, when it becomes personal, like only their priorities are important. So I think that like Jimbo's right. Like this is personal for Margaret Atwood, but that the important thing is, yeah, like believing people who come out and put lots of things at risk to name predators.
2: That makes me disappointed in Margaret. I I I understand. I respect being a bad feminist, but
1: before we condemn her, let's yeah, I'm actually looking at read her now. We should read her article probably, but mm-hmm. yeah, I also pulled it up. I'm trying to skim it. It's it's too hard to skim yeah. right now. So we can we can come back to this maybe next week in shop talk, and we will put "Am I a Bad Feminist?" by Margaret Atwood, which came out this year in the Patardar.
0: Yeah, it's a straightforward uh, title.
2: Which it it seems a little bit appropriated from Roxane Gay, who has a book called "Bad Feminist." And she's a queer POC woman.
0: We could put that in the sidebar too. I like her on Twitter. She's very interesting. Roxanne Gay. Yes.
2: Yeah, she is great.
1: So we can talk a little bit about about um, the chapter in the Susanna Moody book. So she she bases the the narrative um, on the guy was it Mac Dermont that 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 was hung, and so she she writes almost the whole chapter is through his voice. There's this awesome line. I was going to work it into the petard trivia, but I'll just read it. She writes from, from McDermott's perspective, the good looks of grace had interest me in her cause. And though there was something about the girl that I could not exactly like, I had been a very lawless, dissipated fellow. And if a woman was young and pretty, I cared very little about her character. She was shallow. Grace had hated the other worker at the house because she had special privileges with the person that they were working for. And so he would take her to dinner and like buy her nice things. And, like, so grace was super jealous of her. So grace convinces Mac MacDermont to kill her. And so he kills her one night. And then when the, I guess whoever he is, the master, you know, the guy comes home for that night, the dude kills him too. And then there's that tension between like, where grace is saying like, no, I didn't want you to do that. Like, and then the, the agreement was that, Grace was going to run away with him after they killed the chick. And then she like changed her mind. It was like, no, like you're a monster. That's, that's not what I wanted you to do. (laughs) He gets, he gets hung and she goes to prison. And the, the author Moody actually met her and kind of gives, gives a, doesn't really paint her in that good of a light. Like she definitely has an extremely negative portrayal of Grace Marks.
0: Well, two things. First of all, I love it when like old Englishy stuff. Is like trashy, you know? Like, if you actually break down what they're saying, it's like just like some trashy shit. So that was fun. But also, it reminds me of like those like dateline things where like, oh, whenever you hire someone to kill someone else, that never goes well. Like, it is always a trap or they always end up killing you. Like, man, like planning a crime should not include other people because they will always go poorly.
2: It's just easier to track too. You don't need
1: witnesses, is the last thing you want. Can't trust a witness.
0: Can't trust an accomplice either, man. Like, yeah, I hate that's doing a witness. Group projects. I don't work well with others. And like, the thing is, like, I'm too much of a planner. You know, like, I, I would get too nervous. That's why the boat scene makes me
1: freaks me out. <laughs> this was the point I was trying to bring up last week. That's why Eve. That's why Villanelle should have killed Eve. All right, man. See, watch the next episode,
0: man. You were you were a bit ambivalent, but now I see. Keep coming back <laughs> to it. Mo, killing Eve is a
1: cool show. I liked it. So we can maybe transition as well into, I think Grace is a psychopath.
0: Oh, the psychopathy index. Tell
1: Mo about it.
2: You hit your head as a kid, right? Head trauma. Is that one?
1: Yeah. Traumatic experiences is, is one of them. There's like a list of, of 20.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's like 30 questions and like you add them 20. all together. Oh, 20 questions. And if you hit a certain threshold, um, you are a psychopath. It's kind of like what you wanted for our, for our quest for the best, like a little check sheet.
1: But she's, she definitely checks a lot of the boxes. What are her big ones? Well, traumatic experience as, as a young person is definitely one. She's yep. a, in a very Im- abusive environment. She doesn't seem to have any remorse. Depending on where the series takes it, superficial charm, I, I would give her that one. Mm-hmm. Um, constant need for stimulation. She is kind of messing with the quilt the whole time. Cunning and manipulative, definitely. Yeah. Lack of remorse, I think so superficial emotional response responsiveness
2: maybe. she kind of demonstrated that when the psychiatrist would give her questions and she would tell him mm-hmm. what she thought would make her look better but then in her own internal dialogue she saw right through it
1: as the as the series goes on i think i think we'd maybe she might develop a lack of empathy she doesn't i mean she's been in, in 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 the series she's been in prison for like 15 years and she's done a lot of she's i mean she's been through a lot of terrible things
0: I was kind of hoping she was gonna shank that other woman who was talking shit to her during prison lunch. She didn't. It's
1: no, okay. she didn't. Um, a lot of these other ones we really don't know to say. If if the show follows the historical events, I mean that's really impulsive of her to get that guy to kill that woman. If that's what's actually if that's what actually happened. So yeah, I mean it's, it'd be it'd be interesting to watch the series just just to see how she checks out on those twenty. We
0: have some kind of bet and whoever loses has to watch alias grace and report back to us about
1: how depressing and shit that is hoisters if anyone out there wants to watch the rest of the series and report back my prediction is grace is a psychopath
2: oh, i think you're probably right
0: i think you're right but maybe grace murders dr jordan that would be kind of satisfying Ooh, that dude is such a generically handsome boring dude
1: but that's her only way to, to survive. So that's actually the worst thing she could possibly do for her self-preservation. Alright, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe she'll kill that little governor's crab crab nominee.
0: So now, we're going to take things into our petardar, and this is where we recommend things that uh, maybe are related to the show, or are things that we we're reminded of during the show, or if you like this show, you might like these things. So... I can start things off. Um, I read The Handmaid's Tale, the book, and it is mega depressing, but very cool. Highly recommend. And also uh, Amistad, which was this Steven Spielberg movie from like 1997 or 1998. It is a very graphic, if I remember correctly, um, staging of a slave rebellion on a slave transport ship um, that was a real-life courtroom drama involving like slavery in the United States. And it did not resolve the legality of slavery because it happened like in the early 1800s but it was still fascinating and interesting to watch what about you guys
1: so i'm going to just d- double check the two that i that i already referenced so the am i a bad feminist article by margaret atwood and the susanna moody chapter 10 of chapter 10 of life in the clearing versus the bush and as i already kind of mentioned earlier that's for being 1850s or 60s, whenever, whenever it was written, it's, it's a very easy read for that time period. So it's, it's, it's easy for us to read these days. Old Mrs. Moody. Jimbo, I think
0: what we should have the listeners do is the three of us should think of like a fake chapter title for that one based on the pilot we watched and the listeners will decide whose fake chapter title is the worst and they can watch the end of Alias Grace for us. So I think I would call it like chapter 10. Um, the case of the murdered governess. What do you think, Jimbo? I have the right to change mine because I went first.
1: What? That that was it, dude. That's yours. What? I'm making up the rules that I just made up. Okay, Sounds so that was just so so that was your example title? Yes. Okay. Mo, would you like to go first? <laughs>
2: the chapter title my chapter title will be The Body Wrapped in Quilt.
1: That is a good one. Drew, you want to go next or you want me to go next? I'll let you choose. All uh, right, you go next. Okay, um, Chapter Ten. That lion whore made me do it. Oh, <laughs> I'll get some clicks on it. Um,
0: chapter Ten, the final stitch. Yeah. Okay, so we'll we'll get a Twitter. Yeah, poll.
1: right. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we'll. Uh, yep, Twitter poll. So, listeners, if you're listening right now, hopefully you're within the seven days, and you can vote for my chapter title, "The Lion Whore or Made babe. Me Do It." Yeah,
0: or the oh, last okay. stitch. Because remember, when you vote for mine, you're making Jimbo watch seven more episodes of this show. Come on,
1: on come on, Honest John. Come on, Zero. So last, so last place loses, and the top two just don't lose. The top two get to learn about what happens in the show. Yes, got it. Okay, we're all winners. Okay, we can report back a mini, um, a mini response, I guess. Yeah, listeners, I think Drew should watch it. So,
2: I have one thing for the uh, Patardar. Oh, um. I just binge-watched with my mom, actually, a very dark show called The Sinner. Uh, Jessica Biel is the main character, and she plays...
1: That's somewhat new, right?
2: um, They just released like the full season on Netflix, so it's on Netflix. That's where
1: I saw it. There's a
2: season two coming up. I have a feeling it's going to be like a true detective style, where every season is its own standalone murder story, but... Uh, it's it's good and dark and again the whole time you're wondering if this woman is just a straight up psychopath or what the fuck happened and nice and I love when there's a conclusion and there's an actual conclusion in this one so the sinner
0: so Jimbo I think that'll take us into Petard's trivia correct
1: okay Hoysters. and now for Petard trivia this is my my new favorite part of the show it's usually a ton of fun so we have we have some sad news oh, sad you know it, glory. it depends. So, Zan has retired, which means that the belt is up for grabs. So, we have our number one contender, Mm -hmm. Honest John. He's going to be battling for that belt next week. And Mm -hmm. the winner of tonight's petardar between Drew and Moe is going to face the number one contender, Honest John, for the title of petard trivia. So, the stakes are high. The stakes are high today. Pressure.
0: We've got we to gotta wipe that smile, that smirk off Honest John's face. Homus John is some calm.
1: Yes, definitely. Hon- Honest John is getting a little too cocky for my taste on the website, so I, I would like to see uh, someone from the Pilots and Petard's team knock him down a notch. For those of you that are not familiar with Petard trivia, we might have some closest answers, uh, best answer, maybe a multiple choice, or who knows. Just be prepared. Okay, and Drew's buzzer is going to go like this. Buzz. And Moe's buzz is going to go like this. Boing. Question number one. The the woman on the ship says that three crows in a row mean what?
0: Buzz. Drew. She's going to die. She's not going to set foot on land
1: again. She's going to die. So what's your final answer, Drew? She's going to die. Three crows in a row mean death. That is correct. One point for Drew. Beating around the bush. He almost gave you a chance (laughs) to steal that one, Mo. uh, One point lead. So one point lead for Drew. I'll take more questions about Alias Grace for 200, James. Not on this episode. Question number two. Ow. (laughs) The executive producer and writer, Sarah Poley, she read and wanted to turn the book, Alias Grace, into a movie. Or a series in what year? Boing. Mo. Closest answer. We'll get the point.
2: Okay. This is the year she wanted to do it in? Like when she read the book?
1: Yes. The year she read the book and decided she wanted to make it into a film.
2: 2005.
1: That is not the correct answer. Drew, would you like to come in with a steal? I want to say 2001. Drew's going to get the point. So the book... The book, Alias Grace, came out in 1996. Sarah Pulley read it in 1996 and already started trying to get the rights to turn the novel into a miniseries. Good for you, Sarah Pulley. You stuck with Took it. Took her 20 years. That's impressive. Damn. Yeah. More than that. More than 20 years. Well, years. I think they probably started, job, started filming 2016. So oh. she probably got the rights then. All right. Good job, Sarah Pulley. We're proud of you. Okay. Question number three. Drew has a two... Point to zero lead. Mo, come on man, we need you know we need to bounce back here. Be ready. Okay.
0: I want you honest, John. I want to start on a piece of that.
1: Alright, so as we've mentioned more than once tonight, the novel is based on factual events, but it is historical fiction. Which main character did Margaret Atwood create? Buzz Boing Drew was the first to buzz in. Doctor Jordan.
2: Damn it. That was gonna be my guess. Dang it, Mo. That was that gonna is be my the guess. correct
1: answer. Dr. Jordan is damaged. Now, ah. to make to spice it up, Drew has a 3 point lead.
2: <laughs>
1: Our next two questions, ladies and gentlemen, two are going to be worth piece. 2 points each, All yep. right? All right, Mo, this is your big chance. <laughs> Explicit rating worth it. Okay, Mo, I I do think you have a great shot at this one. Okay. According to the pilot and Grace Marks What are the three quilts that every woman should make before they get married? Boing. Mo, Closest answer will win.
2: Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can picture them. Uh, Something tree.
0: Yes, I remember one of them.
2: Something tree. And then a prayer tree. Maybe let's go with prayer tree. That's probably not right. And then another one is Phoenix. <laughs> and then, Buzz. And then another it's, it's one. Mo's I'm turns. trying to name three.
1: three. And, you named three. You've named. So final answer, Mo. No, she has two right now. You said prayer, prayer tree. Prayer
2: tree, phoenix. Fuck.
1: And phoenix. And one more. Just, I would go with, I would go with um, a, a plant or, you know, non-animal or something. Flower. Drew, would you like to come in for a steal? Hearth.
0: Harvest,
1: oh, no. Pandora,
2: Pandora's I, box. I know
1: Pandora's one of them. Yeah, you're right. The correct answer is Tree of Paradise, oh. flower basket, and Pandora's box. So Drew did get Pandora's box, but Mo had a tree and a flower. I'm I'm going to give Mo the two points. Yes. I, I,
0: I, I, I. She also used a N, and D. Whatever.
1: Jimbo.
2: Yeah. I had tree and flower. That's
0: close. I had Pandora's box, which was the actual name of one of the blankets. No, you just
2: said Pandora.
0: It's like the tree of life (laughs) and like the flower of something. Like,
1: you got the articles right, Mo. Hey, she got got two partial credits, which ended up giving her one. All right, all right. Here we go. Last question. Worth two points. This is going to decide our winner, and I'm going to give it to the closest answer. Slash most precise answer. Netflix doesn't release ratings, so I know it's not that. Why did Grace Marks family have to migrate to Canada?
0: Buzz. Drew. Ah, uh, because they were Protestant in Ireland. knew it was complicated.
1: Is that your final answer, sir? Yes. Mo, would you like to come in and take the steal?
2: Because they were poor. Because they were poor. And, no, because their dad committed a crime. Why don't you ask
0: her if these are all her final answers, man? Is you that, gotta cut me off and put me in a is box, that your and final, then like no, Mo just gets just,
1: to do whatever. Is that your final answer, Mo?
2: Because her dad, because they were Protestant, and because her dad committed a crime. Final answer.
1: Ah, that is right. Shit. Okay, so the correct answer is the father got into it with some orange men of bad reputation. Mm. And because they were Protestants, one Protestant's house was burnt down and another had his head bashed in. So that, so that was the correct answer. And because, because Mo did not add a correct answer, I'm going to give those two points to Drew.
2: What? I did add a, I did add to it. I said the dad committed a crime.
1: He didn't commit. We, I have no evidence that he committed a crime. He just got. <laughs> oh, he got into it yeah. with the orange men. I have no. I don't even okay, know what that means.
2: Fine.
0: I don't get what that means either. Okay. Maybe they were
2: like Word. the IRA.
1: Mm. Could be. Right.
2: Fine.
0: Yeah, coming for you, honest. So John. honest,
1: John, be ready because next week oh, I think I'm six and three. Really? You you lost last week to. Oh shit! I lost to Jack last week. No, oh, you, oh, you beat Victor.
0: I beat Victor. You lost the So it's four and three. I'm five and three. Not bad. Okay. There we go. I'm clawing my way out.
1: Oh, I closed it. What's What's next week, Drew? Chris Castle Rock. Honest, John. Be prepared. Go out there. Watch Castle Rock. It's a new show on Hulu, and it's based off a Stephen King book. Is that right?
0: Yes. And Shrek Breath. Watch it on Hulu. You know you have access.
1: We would like to thank. Jake Drew for mixing our intro and outro music and you can find a link to Jake Drew. He's also making beats for people that are, you know, out there needing some beats so you can find him and you can get some beats made. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, our Facebook group, Uh, of course, follow our blog. So you can participate in our pre-recording discussions and Drew would like you to follow his series, get off your lawn about Marvel Movies pre two thousand eight Marvel Cinematic Universe,
0: superhero movies in general. In addition, we are now featured on But Why Though Podcast dot com. So if you found us through that website, thank you. And if you haven't, go check out their website. They got a couple other podcasts and some articles, including the Get Off My Lawn movie reviews. Mo, you got anything to plug? Nope. Just Mo, just mowing it up. She's awesome. We plug Mo every week. Okay.
1: Listeners, if you can't tell by the plugs, the show is officially over. But if you love us as much as we love us, we're going to stick around for a few more minutes. And if you are an artist and you want to give us some artwork that we can use on our website, we will definitely promote you. We'll do some cross-promotion. If you are a musician and you would like us to promote your music, send us an instrumental track and we will play that during our shop talk. And we will also give you the proper respect and promotion that you deserve. So I think Mo's gone. I'm here. Yeah, it looks like she walked out. Oh, ah, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Hey, Mo.
2: I just needed a lie down.
1: <clears throat> yeah, Mo's, so Mo's a trooper. If, if you couldn't tell, um, Mo was sick. I, I made her stuff her nose with, with toilet tissue or napkins or something. She had she had these giant napkins sticking out of her nostrils the whole time because I told her she was sniffing too much. and <laughs> So that's that's the stuff we do. For our hoisters, there's good information coming though. Yeah,
0: it's not stayed in. Information came out. Yeah, I
2: think I did pretty well. Yeah. I didn't yeah. stifle
0: too it's much. Cool. Getting the band back together.
1: And then we've we we've had um, some decent feedback from our from our special guest Jack Wilson from the the History of Literature podcast. He's written a couple short books, a couple novellas, and I'm part way through one of them and. I've enjoyed it, so it's you can buy his ebook at Amazon for one dollar. So if you're interested in a short little novella by Jack Wilson, I would also recommend that.
0: I want to I want to contact him see if he's still watching Cheers with his kids. Oh yeah, he probably is.
2: Cheers is a great show.
0: That was a fun episode to record, and also Jimbo, you just blew my mind with that information that Ted Danson is bald. I liked listening to that on the air because I was like I was so shocked.
2: Is he bald in that up in the? In the show?
1: Well, he was bald during Cheers. He has a toupee during Cheers. That's why I was ripping on his hair.
2: Yeah, you can kind of tell.
0: Ugh, I couldn't. I just thought it was 70s hair.
2: I mean, those hairstyles... Those hairstyles, like, helped people that were wearing toupees hide it more, because it was part of the style.
1: Yeah, that was, like, the toupee style.
2: You know who... You know who else is bald? Ben Affleck. What? No, really? Or he's balding. He didn't always... He wasn't always bald, but he has hair plugs now
0: ben affleck has a really embarrassing full color tattoo on his back that he yeah, told people for years was like for a movie and it wasn't real and then this past year they got pictures of him and they were just like what <laughs> it's real yeah
1: ben is making some bad choices
2: it's humongous it's like a phoenix
1: and mo i can't believe you missed those three box i mean the three blanket questions i you referenced the three blankets in the show i thought for sure you would have you know you could have got that one
2: I know, I know. I, I was paying attention. I liked that part, but I just blinked. But I got the I got the words.
1: Barely. I I don't
2: have a photographic memory.
1: No, you sure don't.
0: It's kinda kind of a super mega sexist thing that like as soon as you get married, it's your Pandora's box or uh blanket. And I was like, it's a pretty negative view of uh marriage. Colonial uh Canada. Maybe it's saying something about their, their culture and their society.
1: No, I loved her, dude, I loved the whole bed talk.
2: About the quilts being a, was it protection?
0: Yeah, or are people dying in bed, or like all those crazy things happening. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, fuck the olden days. I mean, people still die during childbirth.
1: It's not the most likely way for a woman to die. For most of human history, the most likely way for a woman to die was childbirth. Freaking alias, Grace. I know, I need to go watch some Brooklyn Nine-Nine episodes.
2: Cleanse the palate.
0: What's what's alls television palette cleanser?
2: Golden Girls.
0: Nice. The Reed.
2: The Reed. I've been listening to The Reed in the car with my mom. Does she, she like I it? I don't think she gets it very well, but she but she like will listen <laughs> oh. to it and be like laughing. She laughs when Crystal laughs.
0: Or Emma gets a lot of uh the read on the way to daycare.
2: <laughs> That's a lot of cursing.
0: Uh yeah. She she's having trouble with some anything besides like soft vowels and soft letters, so we call this her Pokemon stage because she's really good at saying her own name and nothing else.
2: <laughs> That's funny.
0: Yeah. No. So Emma up more, which is like Mo. She's saying Mo. She's a fan of the okay. podcast. She's listening to that too.
2: How's little baby Jamie Jimbo?
1: She's she's pretty good. She's been quiet the whole the whole recording. Yeah, she's she's not saying What's... any words yet, man. She's she's pretty uh, oh, she's, she's pretty she's inactive. She's making those cute baby grunts. Yeah, she does have some cute grunts. She's she's a pretty a pretty good baby. She can be really unreasonable <laughs> at times, but for the most part, you know, she's okay.
2: Unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just crying for no just reason. Can't reason
1: with her. Yeah,
0: dude. I'd be like, "You're fine. Like, I just changed you. You just ate. Like, I went
1: through I, the checklist. You, I'm carrying you, have all the, you. You have all the boxes checked. Yeah." <laughs>
0: I mean, freaking freaking Emma will not respond to logic or reason. Like, she's like a month and a half or two months away from c- conditional phrasing. So nothing is transactional right now. Everything is like, I can cause a reaction, so I will punch you in the face, daddy. <laughs> she hits.
2: She's a hitter. That's a, That's normal, though, for kids to go through that.
0: It's totally normal, but, like, it's so hard not to, like... React to it because that's what she wants. Like she tries to bite me, and it's so adorable. Like she just like loses all patience, and then like turns around and just goes like ah, and like it feels really cute. But I'm not supposed to react to it because I don't want to positively or negatively affirm it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, biting biting's also a thing that you could get kicked out of. My like, my little cousin got busted biting, and it's like there. She's at like some Montessori school, so they they're strict with that and. If they they were, like, threatening if she does it again, that she'll, they'll, like, kick her out. She's, like, three. She's, like, three years old. They're, like, spoiling, like, expelling her. Seems a little bit ridiculous.
0: Emma got an incident report today where she got bit.
2: She got bit. And
0: so, yes. But, like, a couple of weeks ago, there was an incident report where, like, basically another kid, like, scratched her face because, like, he pulled her sunglasses off. And they were, like, what's it called? Like... Ebba. It's distracting to the other kids that Ebba wears sunglasses and the other kids don't. And we're like, teach that other kid not to, like, yank glasses off our kid's face. Like, not our fault that we are worried about UV protection for our baby. Like, come on. So they took that well. And now Ebba, now Emma does wear her sunglasses outside.
1: Yeah, okay, outside. I was wondering if she was, like, Jack, Ni- in the like classroom. Jack Nich- Nicholson in it. Yeah, She could if she chose None of that color kid's
0: business.
2: No, people that wear sunglasses indoors, unless it's like a rave, don't do that.
0: I mean, unless you're like,
1: you know, Ray.
2: High on drugs. Or Stevie Wonder. Yeah.
1: Yes. Or Ray Charles. Stevie Wonder and assholes. You know, that's it.
2: Um, Guys, I'm losing steam. So.
1: All right. Yeah, me too. I'm out, man. Yeah. All right. I think this is good. Every day I'm hoistling Drew out.
2: Every day I'm hoistling Mo out.
1: Every day we're hoistling Jimbo out.